Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Ilya Radzinski. Ilya is co-founder of TaxDome. I'm sure many of you have heard of TaxDome. And rather than me uh, digging into deep to what TaxDome is and, and who Ilya is, I'm going to let him introduce himself. So Ilya, welcome to the Unique CPA. Awesome. Thanks, Randy. You know, you asked me what is TaxDome. So in official terms, it's a practice management platform for accountants, bookkeepers, and tax preparers. So if you're you know, looking at one of these reports that uh, people are putting out or searching the internet for a platform, those are the words you'll see. But odds are you're not a software specialist, you're not a investor, and those are just words that you're hearing. But here's what we actually do in practical terms, right? So we help firms organize and manage their teams, their clients, their projects in really the most efficient manner. So whether or not you're a doer. So if you're a preparer or a bookkeeper or uh, you're a manager, you've got different things that you need. So we provide managers with oversight and visibility, and we provide doers with an easy interface to know exactly what they're working on. Now, the other thing that we focus on is really the client experience. So we're not just B2B where uh, the accounting firm uses our platform, but we're you know, an all-in-one tool. So not only are you and your teammates logging into TaxDome to manage your work, but your clients are logging into a secure portal, both from their phone or from their desktop to communicate with your firm. Now, client portals, practice management, these are all terms that, you know, exist in many ways, but odds are people want to know, well, how are you different? Why am I looking at you versus someone else? And the way we think about it is Apple isn't the only firm that produces smartphones, right? But I don't know about you, but I use an iPhone and yep. there's a specific feeling you get when you use an iPhone that's different from, from other phones, right? They all call, they all have apps, but there's just a completely different feeling from other phones that also produce similar functionality. So, and that's really what we do, but in the practice management space, we make it feel easy, all encompassing and fun. And again, very importantly, we focus on the client experience because practitioners will get used to anything, right? You guys have been using systems that were designed in the 90s and early 2000s, and you don't bat an eye. You're used to it, right? That just, it is what it is. Yep. That's, you're, you're used to those systems, but your clients, you know, they're, they're using modern apps. They're used to a Shopify buying experience, right? They're used to Netflix. They're used to all these modern apps that have billions and billions of dollars of funding behind them. And when they log in or they interface with your firm, you know, whether you like it or not, that's what they're coming to expect. And that's what they're comparing it to. So that's why for us, we focus tremendously on the client experience and giving every firm, whether or not, you know, whether or not your team of five or 50, right, but you don't have a million, you don't have million, million dollar budgets for your own apps. We're giving you the ability to provide your clients that, that really amazing experience uh, for all firms. Yep. Got it. I think buy-in from the clients, making that user experience is so, so important because, you know, we are an industry where efficiency matters. And, and too often, I think accountants don't realize uh, how technology, how these apps, how, it, how integrating uh, TaxDome and other things can make them more efficient. Everybody listening to this show knows I'm a big uh, proponent of uh, work-life balance and, you know, efficiencies within their firm and anything we can do to avoid burnout. So 
great. We've got the client side where they're going to have buy-in because it's user-friendly for them and they're going to see this ability. How about from the accountant side? Because to me, that's just as important. I need to have them feel comfortable with the using of it, the integration of it, and, and realize that they're going to have more free time, more efficiencies because of the integration. So how is that built in to help the accountant on that end of things? Man, that was a long question. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Oh, good, man. I got you. I got you. So, I mean, here, there's this is how to think about it, right? So, the first part of your question, if you boil it down, is number one is what is the what is the firm experience? Number two, how does it tie into the client experience, and how do you get buy-in from your team members? So, this is a huge thing, right? Oh, so yeah. Any, the bigger your team is, the you know the bigger the ship is, right? The harder it is to move, the more people you have to convince. And switching systems is you're always going to find that person in the middle that just doesn't want to do it for for one reason or not, right? For one reason or another. Now, that's really where the the flagship product, so to speak, of all this is automation, and it ties into your second part actually, where you asked about the client experience. Because Taxstone provides both the firm and the client experience you're able to have the entire workflow of tax, bookkeeping, accountant, wealth manager, whatever your workflow is, you're able to have the entire thing in one system. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is the automation cannot just say, when this happens, you know, do something else, but you can have automation between what the client does and triggers something else from your team. So Work-life balance, you mentioned, right? Yep. Accountants forever have been spending so much time on A, fielding calls from clients. You know, what's my status update, right? What's my status update? Where are you on this? And yep. it's just a giant waste of time. We allow the client to always know exactly what's going on. Okay, so you can get rid of that. A second part is, again, keeping the client up to date. You can have an admin that you hire to, you know, check in on people, keep someone, uh, send them reminders, tell them, hey, we're still waiting on you. That's all automated. But where it all ties in is because we have signatures, invoices, emails, internal firm workflow like tasks tied together, you can have things happen when another one happens. So for example, let's say you wanted to have an e-signature request, a standard uh, you know, tax repair workflow. You prepare the return, you need to send them a signature request, you need to have them review it, you need to have them pay you. You can have, as soon as the e-signature request is sent as completed, the invoice be sent to the client or vice versa if you want to set it up that way. And then as soon as the client signs the document, you can have an automatic task for your admin to go and e-file a return. So at no point does anyone do anything. It's like a conveyor belt, right? Henry Ford invented this in you know 1915 or 1920, <laughs> whenever this was. The idea of an assembly line works, right? It works for McDonald's. It works for tax practices, it works for bookkeeping practices, it works for any business. You need to be able to set up a standardized series of workflows and have the job flow through them. And we're able to do that in a very unique manner because it's not just uh, disparate systems of the internal firm system and then some other system what your client interfaces with, it's all tied together. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Let's, uh, I think I'm going in backwards order now. We started with the client, then we went to us. Let's go one step even further backwards um, because the one thing that I see, and I'm out talking about automation a lot, not that, that well, I do have a computer science degree, but I don't work in a uh, technology firm. But the one thing that I see when I'm talking about that, when I'm talking about efficiencies, is that there seems to be, and I think this is just an ingrained in people, a fear of some short-term, what they consider pain. 
And so they may consider paying, oh, wow, I'm going to get this new software, I'm going to get text on, whatever it is. And now all this time and effort that I have to put in to get this going is such traumatic experience in my brain, just my brain, not in reality, but they think it. And they don't look at this long-term time savings, efficiencies that you're going to have. Is there anything that you try to do to get them past that, hey, you know, that's just going to be so much work for us to integrate, we're just going to ignore it and just sally it, do the same thing we did last year. Is that something you run into? And if so, how do you get them past that? I mean, so you always have resistance, right? And the resistance can come from multiple ways. You can have somebody fear client adoption, for example, right? That's a common fear of my clients won't go for this. And that's why we focus on the simplicity of the client experience, right? And yes, it might be different from some clients of yours that are used to walking into your office, but those exact same clients, I assure you, are not walking into their bank to find out how much money is in their checking account, right? Right. As long as what you provide them is valuable, as long as it saves them a drive, as long as it saves them a trip to the post office, as long as it's convenient and they can access it on their phones. I don't know if you can see this, but I'm holding up my mobile phone. <laughs> Got Everything, it. Everything's there. And as long, you know, all of these people, especially elderly people, right? The biggest thing is I have elderly clients. They're not going to use this. My dad is 70 years old and he does not want to text. He does not want to use his phone for anything. But the one thing he uses his phone for is to look at photo of his grandkids. Yep. Right. He wants it. That's that's the that gives him value. He loves it, and he, he will not let go of his phone and his iPad. You know, you'd have to rip it apart from his from from his hands. And why is because he finds value in it. So if he can figure out how to use Facebook to do that, and figure out how to use WhatsApp, your clients can you know will want to use an app if it gives them value. Uh, so that's on the client adoption side. On the firm adoption side, it's different, right? It's about delivering. A lot of times, especially as you talk to bigger firms, the people you're speaking to are often gatekeepers, right? And that's why I often talk about words like, I don't want to use the term practice management because what often happens is you have a firm owner, you have 50 people, firm owner says to you know somebody, hey, go get us a practice management system, you know, figure it out. That person then starts Googling, starts to figure out what is a practice management system? How yeah. do I do this? And, and they're, they're just overwhelmed. So one of the things that we do is uh, we provide key account managers whose goal it is to educate you on really what you're getting, right? So a lot of times people see words, but again, they are not professional software buyers. They are not professional system integrators. They are someone that works in an accounting firm that was tasked with go set up a system for me. Yep. And that's an, that's an important thing to understand. So we try to keep everything in very much human speak and try to really explain every single step, walk you through it, uh, and really have you see, again, just like your clients, have you see the value of what you're getting. So it's not just about, if you, f if you solely focus on the upfront cost, it's a very negative view, right? right? All you think about is, this is going to be hard, instead of what you're getting as a result of the work you're putting in. Yep. Now, when one of the things that we do is we allow you to really customize for your firm, for your workflows, right? So you have some firms that are high touch, some firms that are low touch, some firms that offer just tax, some people that, you know, that offer a full service accounting and they might have different workflows for different departments. You might have different setups, you might have different offices. So based on 
how complex your setup is, that will obviously determine how long the setup will be. So for example, you know, we were talking earlier and you mentioned you, you guys use Salesforce yep. and Salesforce is super, super powerful tool, right? It's amazing. It's used, it's the most powerful CRM tool on the planet, arguably. Yep. And uh, it's used by corporations everywhere. And if you look at Salesforce, they put in 30% fees on top for implementation. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's so powerful and they can customize it to you, but they charge a very, very hefty price for it, right? The yes. actual implementation oh, yeah. costs. So, and this is, I think, something that isn't as clear a lot of times to people because, again, they're not professional software buyers in that the more complex the system, like SAP, if you've ever heard of it, out of you know Germany for these, these huge, huge companies, yes. it costs more to set up SAP than it does to buy it sometimes mm -hmm. because they're so powerful, they're so customizable. So if all of these bigger companies, what they realize is you have to focus on the value you're getting, not just on the implementation. And from our end, we do everything possible to make it as easy as possible by, again, assigning you a key account manager, walking you through it, ready-made templates, really anything we can do from our end to make it easy. But at the end of the day, you have to see the value for your firm, your team, and your clients. Yep. And I think you, uh, those managers are probably tasked with the, uh, the showing the value and the ease of integration, or at least helping to ease that integration because that's the biggest thing i see is that people shut down when they when they think they have to start integrating this so so anything you can do for that i think that's awesome a couple things and i know you've said you don't like to use the project management uh verbiage but i'm not sure how else Pr to practice explain. Management. i'm sorry practice, practice management um mm -hmm. um terminology but i'm going to use it for a second because there are a lot of tools out there you know practice management tools even though you use different words and so when we're looking at when somebody's out there trying to decide what am I going to use, how am I going to do it, how do you stand out, how do you differentiate? And I know you've told us a lot already that probably ties into that, but what, what are the key things you say, hey, this is why tax dome's the way to go? Sure. I mean, there's, there's a couple parts to it. One is I do think that if you're looking to buy software today, it's the best time it's ever been, right? Yep. There's a lot of great options out there. You're able to do research. You're able to really see what works for you and uh, what you want. So if you are in that market today, there's a lot of amazing resources that can help you. There's a lot of companies all, you know, tackling different, different problems. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a great place to be a software buyer, a great time to be a software buyer rather. Yep. Oh, yeah. Now, obviously where we differ and what we recommend to do is don't just look at where the firm is, but where the firm is going. Right. So for example, we started in 2017. And today we have over 10,000 firms using our platform. We're in over 25 countries and we have over 250 people on our team that are building this product day in and day out. And we're focused on the future, right? Our goal is not where we are today, but we're gonna be the next into it. And I'm, I'm, you, know, you can hear it here first and so forth. And what I mean by the next into it, I'm talking about in terms of size and scale, in terms of value delivered to the industry rather i would say right being a household name yep and that's really our goal and we're going to continue growing we're continue developing features because at the end of the day a lot of features and problems will overlap right someone comes out with something someone else you know does the same and a lot of it has to do with what's your overall big picture and in my mind the industry is going to naturally go towards a few key players over time mm -hmm. because this happens in every industry because many of these companies that are solving something over time inevitably especially in a higher interest rate environment they're not going to be able to raise funding they're not going to be able to continue on this path that kind of they're going and 
what they're going to see is the bigger your product gets, the harder it is to make changes, the harder it is to improve, because it's a lot easier to develop the smaller you are. The bigger company you get, the harder, the longer it takes and so forth. So uh, from our standpoint, that's why we've always focused on the big picture first of we are a practice management platform that tackles both the firm and the client. And we cover all that for you. And we're going to continue developing. We're going to continue improving those things. And what we do is we really listen to the clients. So I'm a co-founder, but also I head up the product team. Hmm. So I have 20 products that report to me, but I'm still speaking to clients every single day. Our sales team, our customer service team, our product managers, everyone is speaking to clients every single day. What I mean by that is anyone building any tool can get bogged down into their own world. But for us, it's important to speak to clients, to learn about their problems and uh, get that feedback on a consistent basis because the problems we're solving for today aren't, you know, you have to be mindful of the problems tomorrow. Nobody from the software buying world thought mobile apps were necessary. And then you wake up one day and, right. you know, you need to have a mobile app. So we're always looking to the future. We're always looking at not from a, where you're seeing the product today, but where is the product going to be in two years, five years, 10 years. Yep, I like that because you actually beat me to the punch because I was actually thinking the next question, we're going to talk about the future of, of TaxDome. So I do want to still ask that a little bit because I, I you just talked about the fact that you are looking at the future. You're trying to stay ahead of the curve, which is extremely important because if you're not, you're going to be gone. And so there's a few things. Just I don't know if there's any specific functionality that you think are going to be important moving forward, but I think as important as that is obviously everybody's looking at how AI is going to affect uh, how things work. So maybe we start with the uh, the AI integration or how AI is going to be part of TaxDome, or is it already? And just give us a background on AI and how that's going to interplay with you. Definitely, definitely. I mean, AI is, I wouldn't say it's the future. AI is today. Right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're seeing, AI is today and you're seeing, uh, you know, I saw some great information. There's a, uh, uh, you know, a CEO of a big AI company said yesterday that he thinks that there's been more developments in AI in the last year than in the last 10 years. And this isn't some random talking head. This is a CEO of a very heavily funded AI company. So it's growing super, super fast. Now, from our perspective, we've seen a lot of AI developments in the space. But in my mind, they're not really groundbreaking, right? I think, for example, composing emails, you know, editing text, those are all things that are going to be the core of Gmail and the core of any email. You know, you're not really adding much there. I think it's most of it is done for, you know, big bells and whistles. We have AI, right? Kind of like you know, putting .com in 1999 at the end of your domain made your you know company value go up uh, tremendously. So I think it's a lot similar to that. We're doing a lot of work on AI, but internally we're looking at it to be a real groundbreaking thing, right? So you know, we've all right. seen it. I think yep. it's kind of. It's all, it's, it's great. It's, they're all wrappers on top of chat GPT. It's great. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, OpenAI is going to do a lot more with that than any other company can. You know, that's kind of my viewpoint on it, right? So I think AI has, is, is tremendous. And I think there's a lot of companies trying to figure out really the ways to truly add value with AI. There's the, the wrapper, so to speak, and then there's the true value. And that's really what we're working on uh, from a internal firm reporting perspective, from a there's a lot more there, um, but I would say it's not focused on purely the content part, which I think is is nice, and we're going to add that as well. But we don't want to come out with that because I think that's too it's it's too small. We're thinking much bigger picture. Okay, all right. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see uh, what the AI integration in the text dome is going to be and when it's coming up. But I appreciate that and your insights on that. Um, 
All right. So that was all great data. I'm really interested, honestly, on your product and see where you're going. But let's just talk in general for the industry, for the profession. You know, what are the like the biggest tech challenges you're seeing accountants have to deal with? Sure. So I think accountants, let's call it spade a spade. It's an older profession, yep. right? The average accountant is over 40. And in terms of tech adoption, it's not exactly the, the quickest there, right? Because again, people are older, they're, they've got a lot of small businesses, they're more hesitant to change. But they want to embrace it, right? They listen to this podcast. They're on, you know, they're on all these forums. They're looking for it, right? They want to dabble their feet uh, and they want to learn about it. So yep. they want to embrace change, but they're afraid of it. And not just that, but like, you know, it's what we talked about earlier. They're afraid of not just of whether their clients will adapt to the tools, mm-hmm. right? And like I said, as long as you add value, people will adapt and find that they love it, right? You have to remember why do your clients hire you? One of the biggest reasons clients hire accountants is to make them feel at ease. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it really is. Is we you know we overthink things too much. At the end of the day, if you make them feel at ease, kind of like people hire you know personal trainers partially for the experience of talking to somebody for an hour and not just the, the you know they can work out on their own. Right. It's just a different experience. So if you can make them feel at ease, if you can add value, and then really focus on the like I said, the adding value and not the administrative part. Right. So if you serve businesses, if you can add value and add insight into the actual finances of the business, the more you as an accountant can embed yourself into you know helping them with projections, helping them understand the business end of it, the more you can focus on the business end and not just on the compliance end, the more you're able to add value, the more you can charge. And that's really what, in my opinion, I think the industry should be focused towards because compliance over time is going to become, it already is, but it's going to become a commodity. Prices don't go up for it. But prices for value, you know, if you're able to save somebody $50,000, you can charge a lot more than you would for simply the compliance aspect of it. So embracing technology doesn't just mean you know, turning your personal business, which oftentimes, you know, again, the accounting industry has a lot of small businesses, doesn't mean turning your small business into a faceless corporation, right? They're worried, oh, my clients are going to feel impersonal. But if you leverage technology, that can allow owners and staff to really double down on, again, what they're being hired for, delivering value. Remember, that's what the client wants. Oh, yeah. That's what they want at the end of the day is they want to feel at ease in their finances, whether it's their personal or whether it's their business. They, that's what they're hiring you, the expert for, not for simply the compliance. Yep. And it's the relationship. I agree with you completely because, I mean, honestly, and sorry, accountants, and I'm a CPA, but there's none of us are that much different than the other person out there. But it's that relationship you build with that client, that ease, like you said, of, of, of knowing that you've got their back and you're going to help them and you're not going to allow them to get in trouble. And if there is issues, you're going to help solve them. But that's the relationship part. We all can have expertise at some level. So that relationship, and then what you said, and you're talking my language, that value, you can show that value then that you've brought, which is amazing. All right, so one thing you said when we were just talking there about the challenges is that, sure, we are an older profession. One thing I wanna do is try to change that, but the fact that we are, we have a lot of boomers that own small firms, and so their thought is probably, hey, I'm done in a year or five years or whatever. Why am I going to take time now, you know, to integrate new software to update? You know, I'm 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 going to sell in five years, and so why am I going to take this pain? Not that it's pain, but that's their thought process of doing this now. This new integration of some new software. What do you say about that, or how do you address that? Uh, I think it's a great question. Businesses are sold on multiples of EBITDA revenue, whatever financial term you want to look at, but 
effectively, someone looks at how much money you earn and says, I'm willing to pay X times that for your business. People will pay a much higher multiple for a turnkey modern business that is much easier to transition where the client base is simply transferred through a login as opposed through a uh, you know pieces of paper and some intricate system that nobody that wants to buy a firm will want to work with, mm-hmm. right? If it's in your head, if it's some, it's not even a piece of paper, but spreadsheets or you know 10 different systems that nobody knows how they work and that if you're away for a week, everything crashes, nobody can figure out how, you know, how, how everything works. Nobody wants to buy that business, right? They'll buy it at the end of the day and businesses are sold. And I'm sure, you know, you go to these conferences, there's all these brokers there that you know, oh, yeah. try to help accountants sell businesses and they do, but they sell for low multiples. And if you have a business that is modern, if it's all digital, the transfer of clients is much easier. The transfer of documentation, the transfer of workflows, the transfer of everything is much, much easier the easier it is, the more profitable the business, the more people will pay for it. So the reason that you should invest in transferring to a system and really digitizing is because you're going to make more money off of it. So, you know, the best way to think about it is if you remodel your bathroom, you're going to spend, you know, 10 or 15,000, but the ROI on that of selling your house is, you know, adds a hundred thousand dollars to your house, something like that. Right. Think of it in the same, same exact way. Yes, it's an investment, but nobody wants, if you see pictures of a home with an old, you know, clunky bathroom and it's going to look very different than a modern bathroom. So think of that exact same home buying experience, but from the the person buying an accounting firm, they're just willing to pay much more because they can see that it's already set up. Right. We've got the efficiency sales. You, you've got a background in investment banking. We were talking about this beforehand. My son does as well. And so, you know, getting that, the value of that business up before you sell it, that EBITDA up, let's say, before you sell it is, is important. If somebody, let's say somebody's listening now and they think, hey, I got three years left, you know, what is a time frame that they need to really ramp up to increase the value so that they are maximizing that sales price that they can get and, and, and enjoy a better retirement? It's a matter of weeks. It's it's really? not a, I think that's a, that's a huge misconception, right? I mean, you, you know, we were talking before, you're a firm of 80. A firm of 80, depending on how established your processes are, you're going to have to convince 80 people to use a different system, right? That takes time. That takes months. That takes training. That takes workshops. It takes it takes getting a lot of people on board, right? So simply by the more people you have, the longer it takes. If you're a firm that's you know under 20 people, you can get set up in a matter of weeks, right? And that's really the way to think about it is everything's in stages. The way we do things is we create an implementation plan for you. Right. So we learn about your processes. We learn about your existing processes. You know, how are you managing your work today? How are you interfacing with your clients today? And then what you do is you create a implementation plan and a transition plan of which systems you're going to transition immediately, which systems you might want to keep for the first little bit and transition afterwards. Right. So in the technology world, there's something called an MVP. It means minimal viable product. And oftentimes firms, when they start transitions, they roll it out maybe to a couple people and then they put on you know, one department, for example, and then you add another department, you add another department. And once you have buy-in from one department, everybody else get, you know, comes on board. So to your question of how long does it take? It really is a matter of weeks, possibly way sooner. Again, it just depends on how intricate your processes are, how well documented they are already. You know, we could get somebody set up in a day, two days, but when I say multiple weeks, two and a half of those weeks are talking to you to learn about what you're already doing. Right. Yep. <laughs> so it's like getting those processes out of your head onto paper and, you know, mind mapping them. That's actually what takes the longest period of time. 
not the actual implementation. So the firms that are already you know, slightly more tech forward or have thought of this and have those processes mapped out, you've done the hard part. The actual setup, the implementation, that's the easy part. All right. So don't fear change, which is what we do too much, because one, it's going to make you more efficient, whether it's for the next firm owner or for you as you continue. So we just talked about the, the challenges that firms are facing, but how about you, your firm? I mean, there's challenges you're facing too. What are they and how do you address that? So we mentioned earlier about how we release a lot of features, right? So one of the things that we're battling with is how to balance releasing new features and keeping our community up to date on those releases, mm-hmm. right? So because we're making so many updates, because we're moving so fast, it's sometimes overwhelming for our community to stay up to date. Now we're addressing this, we've built out a dedicated education team, right? So we have a whole team who's focused on, you know, kind of like your company, you've got departments, right? So we mm-hmm. have we have a whole team that's focused on making videos, making webinars, they're constantly updating our help and our guides. We've built what we call the Taxstone Academy. The people that prefer more course type work, which a lot of accountants do, you know, give me a structured course. I want to take this and pass that and I'll know everything that's going on. We have those. So, you know, learning styles vary. Yep. And our education team has done a really great job in creating content for both visual and verbal learners. And I don't know when this is going to be released, but in the next quarter, we're going to be releasing uh, both. We've we've already released actually updated webinars, but we're also going to be coming out with a boot camp to really, you know, you were talking about how long it takes to get set up and so forth. We're doing a five-day boot camp where at the end of that boot camp, you're going to be fully set up. Everything's going to be fully done for you. And our team is going to be walking you through that. So it's kind of interesting, right? You, you release so much that then you have to teach people how to use it. Right. That's a great problem to have, yep. right? Is that we're, we're very forward thinking. And yes, we understand that sometimes, again, people are don't want change. And those people that don't want change are, could be already people using your software. But you know, we're looking to always improve. We're looking to you know, uh, skate where the puck is going, so to speak. So, But we are also putting in a great deal of resources to assist with that through the education team. Yep. I think education is huge. I'm all about education. That's pretty much what I do. So I appreciate that. I, I really think you should have your own podcast. You're good at this. So um, uh, let's transition out. Two questions I want to ask. The first one I asked every guest, and, and it's extremely important to me. I know about you now and within the company, but I don't know about you personally. So let's talk about what you do outside of work. What are your outside of work passions? Because to me, that really makes you who you are. Great. You know, IT and tax dome and all that. That's part of what you do. But what's your outside of work passions? Well, purely from a uh, physical sense, I've gotten into golf in the past few years. So both my brother and I have, have taken up golf. So trying trying to learn to play this uh, very, very difficult game. <laughs> yep. um, but, but, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And, you know, on a other personal side is I, I very much love to learn from what I consider visionaries, right? So I think there's so many great resources today of you know, really seeing what other people have done and being able to follow in their footsteps. So yep. right now I'm reading uh, Rockefeller letters oh, and wow. where he wrote, John D. Rockefeller wrote uh, 30 plus letters over the course of 30 years to his son. And it's fascinating. So I find it so interesting because again, he came from nothing, mm-hmm. Rockefeller, the elder Rockefeller, and then obviously became the richest man in the world. And him writing letters to his son, who was obviously born into insane wealth, I find fascinating because he sees it from both sides. Right. So on the one hand, he's he's alerting him of the privilege that he has and in one way to make the most of it and to make sure he's doing it. But at the same time, to be aware that growing up without means also gives you a certain chip on your shoulder that 
he'll never have. Yep. So to be aware of that, which, which I find interesting. So both, you know, my, 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 you know, I'm a first generation, I'm not even first generation, I'm a zero generation. So I'm an immigrant. I moved here when I was six, my brother moved, uh, he was 14. Um, but we moved here from Ukraine and kind of grew up here. So, you know, it's definitely been an interesting path to kind of get to where, yep. where we are today, but, but exciting. And that's why I like looking at uh, what other people have done and kind of following, uh, you know, learning about others and following in their paths. That's cool. I like that a lot. Uh, so golf and learning from others from the past. I'll, I'll go with those. Um, and then one last question. If people want to find out more about you and obviously Taxdome, where would they look? Uh, so you can reach me at Ilya at Taxdome.com. But uh, I do a lot of webinars for our team, you know, of new product releases and so forth. So look out for me there. But otherwise, if you're a client, Love to speak with you. We're always speaking uh, to clients as much as we can and at conferences. So I think you mentioned a conference that we were at. Uh, we did maybe 15 conferences this year, maybe even more. Yep. Uh, so please, if you guys go to these conferences, we'd love to meet you there, talk to you, learn about everything. So uh, this is great, Randy. Thank you so much for the intro and thank you so much for the time. You got it, Ilya. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on the Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professionalproductions.net